Does everybody have a Bible? If you don't have one, if you didn't pick one up, then just put your hand up now. If you do have one, one spot for today, Matthew 26, is where we'll be. So let's all turn our Bibles to Matthew 26. And I will do the same here. Let's pray. Father, once again, we, um, we just come to meet you in your word. We come as children, hanging on your every word, Lord. Just wanting to hear from you. Needing to dip our souls in the stream of living water. And to be filled. Lord, we are empty. We are lonely. We are troubled by all kinds of things. And we just come to you today and ask you to heal us once again. Lord, we have been healed. We have been set apart. And today we come, Lord, to just acknowledge that as a group, as, as the, your family, as your children. To join you at the table and in your word, Lord. Just minister to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you are keeping up with the Olympics? I mean, it's hard not to, right? I mean, it's a lot of fun. I love to watch sports, as many of you do as well. And you can't watch the Olympics and not be um, inundated with the stories of Michael Phelps. And what, 18 medals? Is that 18 or 19? Who knows? All I hear is blah, 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 blah. <laughs> 22. When, while I was asleep, he got extra medals? Man, 22 medals. So every so often in history, something spectacular happens that you know is going to be remembered. And we, we know Michael, Book, Michael Phelps is going to be in the history books for years and years to come. Because what he's done, what he's accomplished, is pretty remarkable, isn't it? It's a pretty remarkable accomplishment. Um, he has uh, sacrificed, he has spent, he has worked, he has trained, he has, you know, to, to get where he is and to accomplish what he's accomplished. And so we recognize that, that as, a, as, as a group, we go, wow, that's pretty awesome, and that needs to be remembered. Well, today as we're in Matthew 26, we're going to look at something else that needs to be remembered. It's not necessarily uh, athletic, and this woman who is remembered is, is um, not very well known by the world, but amazingly, her spiritual accomplishment is on par with, if not greater than, the accomplishment of Michael Phelps, because she sacrificed and she poured out to accomplish what she accomplished, the thing that Jesus says is going to be remembered. Can, does anybody know whose record Michael Phelps broke for a number, most number of uh, Olympic medals? I think I wrote this down. Anybody know? Just put your hand up if you know. You do know? You are right. That is very impressive. A Russian gymnast named Larissa Latinina. She uh, had a total of 18 medals, and it's, it's, her record has stood since 1964. She's now 77 years old, and she said, if I can quote this here, 48 years is almost enough time to hold a record, Latinina told the Times. Among women, I'm sure I will stay number one for a long time. She said, it's about time that a man came and broke this record. 
Yeah, she said, has joked recently that it was time for a man to be able to do what a woman had done long ago. So she's got a sense of humor. But here we are. She's 77. That was about 48 years ago. And only one person out of 250 knows her name. Now for 2,000 years, roughly, the name of Mary has been remembered in conjunction with this story in the Bible for 2,000 years. Michael Phelps will be remembered for a time possibly longer than most for his accomplishment. But does anybody know any Greek athletes from the year 1000 AD? Anybody know who Milo of Croton is? No, he was a little bit before uh, Christ and he was a tremendous wrestler and, and Olympian that was treated as a god in his day. But today, nobody knows who he is. So today as we look at Matthew 26... We're going to see that that something is said of this woman that is said about no one else in the Bible. So it demands our attention to see what it was that she did that Jesus says, we got to remember this, that's on par with with Michael Phelps, or should I say, greater than. Matthew 26, verse 1, begins, Now it came to pass... When Jesus had finished all these sayings that he said to his disciples, you know that after two days is the Passover and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. In in two days, we're going to be celebrating the Passover, which was Israel's uh, feast to remember going from Egypt and being set free from slavery and from bondage into freedom to worship God. So that was what they were celebrating or we're about to celebrate, Jesus had just uh, finished teaching them uh, about his coming, his second coming, and, and the delay that would be taking place. And now he reminds them, hey, there is a time when I'm going to come in glory, but it's not yet. First, I'm going to be crucified. Remember that, guys. Well, while the disciples were, were pondering this, we read verse 3, then the chief priests... The scribes and the elders of the people assembled at the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas and plotted to take Jesus by trickery and kill him. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. So these guys sound more like the mafia than the ministry, don't they? I mean, hey, we're going to catch him by trickery, trickery. we're going to plot and plan and we're going to kill this guy. And what a disconnect, right? These are the guys that were experts in in the word of God that they knew said, thou shalt not murder. And yet here they are somehow justifying their sin. Well, it's dangerous for us. He's a a rebel. We can't have this guy around. And, and, And we look at them, we go, oh man, how could they do that? But we do the same thing. How many of you maybe find yourself right now justifying a sin you're living in? You're involved in a certain sin right now and you've explained away why you have to be involved in that, why it's necessary. And just like these guys, there's a disconnect in your life between what the Word of God says and the way you're living. And so they're no different in a lot of ways than you or I. We read it and we go, yeah, yeah, I believe what it says, but man, but i got to kill this guy, you know, because he's in my way. So that all is in, excuse me, in contrast to verse 6. When Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, 
a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil. And she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. So Jesus has been back and forth. It's just a couple of miles from Bethany, which is on the Mount of Olives, to Jerusalem. And it's not very far. And so Jesus would spend his days, you know, teaching in Jerusalem. Or he was there in the temple. And then he would stay in the evenings, it seems, with the family of Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. And and that's where he was. Now it's two days until the Passover. And they're having a big meal for Jesus. Now, Matthew doesn't tell us that Lazarus is there. You can read the same story, the same event in John and in Mark. John chapter 12, Mark, I believe, chapter 14, tell the same story and they add some details. For instance, John tells us that Lazarus was seated at the table. This is Lazarus who had died and Jesus had raised from the dead. Now he's sitting at the table there. The disciples are there. Now, Simon the leper, we don't know much about him, but it's possible He's, not a, he's probably not a leper anymore. He probably and possibly was healed by Jesus because they wouldn't have been at his house if he was still a leper. So he was known as, how'd you like to be known as like, you know, Steve the leper, you know, Steve the guy with the disease. And, and so that's what he was known as, but he wasn't that anymore. It's possible that this was the father of Mary and Martha and Lazarus because John seems to indicate that the meal was in the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And if it was also in the home of Simon the leper, then it's potential that maybe this was their father. We don't know for sure. But this is where the meal is. This is what's happening. And then into the scene breaks a woman. Matthew doesn't name her, but John does. This is Mary. Mary, who we often see at the feet of Jesus, Mary who falls at his feet when her brother is dead and in the grave. And she comes to him having an alabaster flask of very costly, fragrant oil. Alabaster is gypsum. It's made and produced there uh, in Egypt largely. And it's, it's carvable, so a lot of times it was used as a little container to hold oils and, and things like that. And so she has this alabaster or gypsum flask. It's hung around her neck, very common for for Jewish women. And in it, we just know here that there's this very costly, fragrant oil. What's the oil? Other writers tell tell us this is spikenard. Spikenard, not real common around here. Uh, It's only found in the Himalayan mountains, in India, Tibet, uh, Nepal. That's where you would find this. So it's hard to come by. It's important. And how costly is it? The other writers tell us 300 denarii. And she had about a pound of it. She had to walk with a little bent over. She had a pound of this stuff. I don't know if she was wearing it around her neck or she had it in her room. But she had a pound of it. And it's 300 denarii. Which is one denarius is about a year's, a day's wage for a laborer. If you work 12 hours in a day, you get a denarius. So we have 365 days in a year. It's just about a a year's 
wage is what this perfume cost? What's the average yearly wage uh, for an average worker today? Is it 35000 Is it 40000 I don't know what the average wage is, but that's how much this oil cost. Very expensive. And when you've got something that expensive, you are very sparing with it. I know when milk started to go up, I said, kids, drink less, okay? Or orange juice, maybe you guys are like me. In, in our house, orange juice, we water that stuff down like halfway. It lasts long. It's expensive stuff, you know? Gasoline's expensive, and we try not to drive as much, or we, we shop around for the best deal. When stuff's expensive, you are very, very cautious with it. What would it have... It's costly in terms of value, but what did it mean to her? What was she doing with this? This was used, this, this spikenard was common for anointing the bodies of, of people that had died because they didn't have embalming. And so after you died, your body would start to corrupt, start to smell. And so they would cover that smell with precious oils and ointments and salves and, and herbs and things and spices to cover and mask the smell. And so oftentimes, this stuff, spikenard, would be used in a case of burial. But... Who just had died and been buried? Lazarus. And she still, evidently she didn't use it for Lazarus. So she's held on to it. It's possible that this is her dowry, which is the money, the the value she would bring into her marriage when she got married. It was really her value as a woman in that culture was her dowry. And the ability to find a husband would have in some ways been contingent upon her having this dowry. That's significant, and I'll show you why in just a second. So, so what does she do? She brings this, this costly, valuable oil, possibly her dowry, and she does what? Well, the Bible tells us she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. Another gospel writer tells us she broke the vial and poured it on him. Now, what could she have done? I mean, she certainly could have come and said, Jesus, I'd like you to have this. You know, and she'd take it off and, and give it to him. You, you have this. She could have, done, she could have opened it up and, and put a drop or two. I mean, that would have been me, right? I mean, that's me. I'm like, I try to be Mr. Frugal. Is that, I mean, are you, like, are you that way? Are you Mr. Frugal? I mean, I don't like, if there's anything like at dinner time and there's extra food, no, don't waste that. Give it to me. You know, I'll, I'll eat that. No, no, let's not throw that out. I'll eat that. I'm not going to waste anything. Leftovers, I, you know, we, I love leftovers. Let's not waste that. Are you frugal like that? You buy something expensive and just, ooh, you just use a little bit. So she could have put a drop or two on Jesus' head. And, and by the way, he, she also anointed, she busts this thing, pours out a pound of fragrant oil all over his head and on his feet. And he is now dripping with this very costly oil. And have you ever, ladies in here, have you ever broken a brand new bottle of perfume like in the house or in the car? Has that ever, and you, the smell is just like whoa, overwhelming, powerful. And so she breaks this thing, pours out a pound, and, and I think it's Mark that tells us the fragrance filled the room. I mean, you could smell this stuff. She just poured it out on him. I mean, she could have been much more reserved about it. She could have been much more conservative with it. And I wonder, her brother has just been raised from the dead. 
She was falling at his feet. Jesus, if only you were here, he could have lived. And he raises from... So is this a response? Is this a, a, a spontaneous response of thanksgiving to Jesus for what she's done or what he's done in her life? When's the last time you were overcome with thanksgiving to God for what he's done in your life? Or, or, are we too busy complaining about what we don't have? To give him thanks, to just say, you know, I like the heart of David, the passionate king of Israel, who sits at his house and he says, look at my house. I mean, look at our house. Look around your house next time you go home. You got a TV in every room. You got more computers than you can use at one time. You, you got vehicles for everybody in the house. And we sit and we look around our house and David does the same thing. And he says, God, you have been so good to me. I want to build you a house. I want to do something excellent for you. And then in another story, David says he's, he's got to buy a place to build an altar to God. And a guy offers to give him this, this place to build an altar. And David says, no, 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 I don't want you to give it to me. I want to pay for it because I'm not going to offer to God that which costs me nothing. And I think we see in Mary an awesome example of just a sweet, sweet worship to God. Lazarus was a witness, Martha was a worker, but Mary was a worshiper. And she poured this, what about you? I mean, when's the last time you just were moved to give something that cost you something to God? I mean, th this is something that, that you couldn't replace. She's not going to replace this. This is, this is her life savings. I mean, again, this is why it's a memorial, because we look at it just like Michael, you know, I get in the pool and, and, and I am lousy at the pool. I, I'm lousy at the swimming thing. You know, I, I just, I need the, the ducky thing and the arm things to, to get there. And Michael Phelps is zooming by. And Mary is like the Michael Phelps of worship, isn't she? She puts me to shame. Because what words would be used of you with your worship? I mean, when you see some, when, when you come in here and, and you think about worshiping God, we always think, oh, we, we, we don't want to go overboard. We, we don't want to, oh, that's, you know, let's be conservative about this. Let's think this through. And there are some times in our Christian lives where you just go, you know what? I don't care. I'm giving it. I'm giving it all. I don't care. And I think there's a place for that because I think that the real damnation of the church is that we've become so lukewarm that the word that describes our worship is conservative. I don't mind if that describes our theology, but that ought not to describe our worship. I think we need to loosen up a little bit. And I'm not saying, you know, roll around in the aisles and all that kind of thing. But I'm saying, you know, when's the last time you gave something that cost you something? That you said, God, I'm so thankful for what you've done that I'm just going to pour this out on you. Broken and poured out. Well, and look at the response. This is great. Verse 8 says, but when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. I mean, hey, they got a good point there, don't they? I mean, wow, maybe Jesus is right. They, they, they criticized her sharply. And Judas is leading the way. Judas, who doesn't really care about the poor, he's just a thief, and he's skimming off the top of the box that holds the money. So he doesn't really care. But he comes up with this spiritually sounding thing like, well, we shouldn't do that. We should, that could have been sold and given to the poor. 
And instead, Mary, you've wasted it. Bad girl, Mary. Why this waste? What a waste it was. You know, have, look, if you decide with your life to follow Christ, a lot of people will say to you, why this waste? I mean, I remember when someone looked at our budget, a family member looked at our budget. We were kind of doing our budget, and someone saw it and said, what are you doing? You know, you, you're, you're giving that to the church? You know, what a waste. I mean, you could, that could be a car payment, or that could be this, or you could put that in savings, or that could be retirement. And why are you wasting it, giving it to the church? And most people with their giving are so conservative. We just want to give just a little bit, you know, just, just something, just a little bit, not too much, but a little. And then and, when, when I left, and I can, all I can share with you guys is my personal experiences with this. So you have your own stories, I know. At, the, at the, the, what I would say was the pinnacle of my career in, in, as a farrier. God called me to ministry, and I began to tell the people I worked for, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm called to ministry. And they said, really? You know, you're, you're a good horseshoer. You should keep doing that. Why, why are you going to waste your life with a, being a pastor, you know? Just, what about you? What if your kids told you, I want to go into ministry? Oh, God, you're such a, you're so smart, you know? Do something with your life. Be a doctor. Be a lawyer. You know, do, do something valuable. Don't waste your life on the mission field. We may not say it, but oftentimes we think it, don't we? Because we don't value be an, be an athlete. Go for the Olympics, man. Spend your money. Spend your time. Spend your talent to be an Olympic athlete. That's valuable. That's what our culture values, but not a missionary somewhere in some far-off country where they eat worms and grubs and, you know, whatever. Why would you want to do that? You'll find critics in your life. And how often we criticize, don't we? How often we come in here and worship starts and some people raise their hands. We go, I can't. What are they doing raising their hands? Don't they know this, this should be more proper? This is church we don't raise our hands in church. And we can be judgmental of others like Mary who are pouring themselves out to God. Why this waste? This fragrant oil could have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, I mean, how does Jesus respond to this? He says, you know, Mary, they're right. They've got a point. If we want to be fiscally sound with our resources, truly, you could have just used a drop and the rest could have been given. I mean, Mary, you know how much I love the poor. You know how much I want to care for the poor. That was really silly. I'll forgive you because I'm Jesus, but don't let it happen again. Is that what he says? He says, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not always have. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. She will be the only one of the women who anoints Jesus' body before he's buried. No one else had the opportunity, or no one else took the opportunity to do it, only Mary. And Jesus remarks about that. And he's only going to be, you know, we don't have the chance. Mary had the opportunity. We don't have that opportunity. Now, how do we show our love for God? How do we show our love for Jesus? By pouring out ourselves and our resources on other people. Loving one another. But she got to, to spend it directly on him. I wonder what we would have said if we were in the room. He says, Assuredly, verse 13, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. 
Jesus says, this is far from a waste. It's a memory. It's noteworthy to remember. So do you think Jesus approves maybe the, the, a different economy than the way we think about things? Maybe even in the church, you know, our, our sense of how money, how resources are to, are to be used, you know, why would we waste, the, you know, some of you have come to say, why do we waste our money going to overseas to do missions when there's a lot of need right here? I don't know, that's where Jesus is calling us to go. Don't ask me. Ask, if that's what Jesus is calling us to do, that's what we do. We go where he calls us. We don't ask questions, we just do what he calls us to do. We pour ourselves out. If this is what you want, Jesus, is what we're going to do. We're not thinking economically about things, necessarily. So we're going to partake of communion. If the folks that, um, is communion ready to be, don't, don't pass it out just yet. I'm going to invite Nick back up here. Um, where's Nick? Come on up, Nick. And look, I know you're hot. I see all the fans going, and, and I'm hot too. And, and please feel free during the communion time to take a pre-communion sip of water. Um, we're going to just take this time and, and through our heat and through our sweat, we just worship God again. Worship the Lord. And I don't know what it is that, that you're holding on to that God is asking you to pour out. Maybe he wants you to pour out your intellect. You know, I'll, I'll only, I don't really know if I can believe everything. And God is saying, look, just pour it out. Pour out your intellect on me. And worship me with your mind. And maybe it, it's your heart. He's just asking that you, your heart would break. And the contents be poured out on him. I don't know. I don't know. But as we share communion, and, and I'll, I'll have the folks pass it out in a little bit. I just want you to take this time and think about in your life what really matters. What really matters? What, what's going to be important a hundred, a thousand years from now?